1: How's it going, everyone? This is Luke Munger of dogman.com, joined by intern emeritus Jack McCauley and current intern Josh Wodka, fellas. How are we doing today? Doing
2: good, man. Doing good. Uh, I'm I'm excited to join y'all and and join the the Dogman uh, group. I got to I got to meet the guys themselves uh, at practice the the past couple of weeks, but. I mean, I've known Jack for a while now, but it's good to it's good to, to see all the interns getting together again, man. Yeah. Dogman
3: Mafia. Once you're in, you never leave.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lifelong membership for sure. Um, so we're recording this on Monday the 22nd. It will, I'm not sure exactly when it'll air, but we wanted to get together with less than two weeks until Husky football starts. Um, Chris Peterson stat, said stats are for losers, but... I kind of like stats, so we're going to kind of go down and make some predictions. Not necessarily predictions. I'm going to ask the guys some questions about maybe some statistical categories for the Huskies this year. uh, And we will kind of talk our thoughts about where the Huskies will be lighting up the score sheet and uh, I guess the box score and things like that. So we're going to start as of today. This also, this is a big disclaimer for people listening. Washington is not named a starting quarterback. There's a good chance this will air maybe after they have. So keep that in mind. But my question here that we're going to start off with is in Kalen DeBoer's offense run by coach Ryan Greb, does Washington's starting quarterback throw for 3,000 yards this year? Uh, and then for people that are like, oh, 3,000 yards, if there's any gawking of that number, it's 250 a game to break it down if you were to play a 12-game season. So does Washington have a 3,000-yard passer? Jack.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think they do, personally, just because if you just look at DeBoer's past teams and the guys he's had slinging the ball, uh, I think I think so that they'll have it. I think they're going to try and play really up-tempo, play really fast, and they're going to get a lot of opportunities to move the ball down the field, find their guys in space. There's no question they have the amount of playmakers to do so. It's whether they get there or not. And if a quarterback stays healthy, I'm going to bank on a quarterback saying healthy, Um I think Penix will start. I'm just gonna say that up front. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I, think Penix- I
1: agree. I think we can, let's all like, as a disclaimer, make we're making assumptions as a yeah, podcast. Yeah.
3: You know, I didn't want to give away too much stuff. <laughs> but <laughs> um, no, I think I think if Penix stays healthy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say hot take, he will. Although he's never been healthy for a full season, he throws for over 3,000 yards, like barely eclipsing it though by like a couple. Maybe like, a, maybe like 50 or 100 yards plus. But I think they get – especially at the beginning when you get a couple cakewalk teams. You know, Then there's some some Pac-12 teams like Arizona State, Washington State, um, Oregon State, teams on their schedule, Arizona who just don't have c- good defenses really at all. And I think they'll be able to throw all over them. Awesome. Josh?
2: Um, Jeez, 3,000. I, I think I'm going to have to le- uh, lean a little bit south of 3,000 to be honest with you. I don't think – I don't think whoever it is, although I agree with all y'all that I think it'll be Penix, I just unfortunately don't think he'll be able to get to that 3,000 number. Injuries are a big concern for me, kind of like Jack hinted on. I mean, the guys never really played a full season. As well as I think what I've heard coming out of camp in the running back play is that the running backs have really been surprising people. It's really been a by-committee effort, and I think think they're going to heavily lean on their running backs, especially Mm -hmm. out of the passing game, too – So, I mean, I don't know how many yards they're going to eclipse in the air. So, that's the only thing that makes me a little nervous, getting to that 3,000 mark.
1: Yeah, 3,000 is a tough one. The last time the Huskies did it, Jacob Eason uh, in 2019. But he did take 13 games to get there, for what it's worth.
3: Um, And I think, okay, if you're saying Jacob Eason did it in 2019, where they ran the ball, like, they ran the ball more than they passed it that year. Or it, or it was close to 50 50. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but I mean, it sounds like right. I'm, I'm, I, I was a little nervous to leave, die on that hill for a second, but
1: <laughs> no, for sure.
3: Okay. Yeah, 50 50. Right. So, so if, you, if he can do it, then I think in this offense where they throw the ball more, DeBoer can do it with Penix. Got it. If yeah. he's healthy. If,
1: it's hard to say. I think precedence for the DeBoer offense maybe says that someone would likely throw up for 3,000, but Josh brings up some valid concerns just in terms of the assumed or the most likely starter that we all are thinking is going to be it is Michael Penix and that he hasn't played a full season in his career. Also, there is kind of a committee of running backs. Uh, So we're split on the first one going down to next. My question for you all is does Washington have a 1,000 yard rusher? We'll let Josh go first.
2: Again, back to, back to kind of what I was saying uh, in the passing I also don't think we get in a thousand yard rusher just due to the committee approach. Like I just don't think there's I don't think there's enough carries for each guy to go around that we get to the thousand yard mark. I mean, I do I do accept I do kind of expect one guy maybe to start taking the load and just start like running with it. And I think they're willing to do that. I see uh I see Wayne uh Tuliapa. Sorry I'll if I yeah. I'm so still, I'm still getting used to some of these stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but no, so I, I expect him to get uh, out of camp to get the full load. And, but still that kind of committee effort with Sam Adams coming back and Will Nixon himself, I think this kind of by committee effort will lead to someone not necessarily getting to that 1,000-yard
3: milestone. I'm kind of with you, Josh, on that one. I don't think they're going to go as by committee. is like What will make it seem, I think they'll have two guys, Telepapa and Will Nixon um and last year in fresno state's offense ronnie rivers and jordan mims were their two guys rivers ran for 788 and mims ran for 710 so i don't think they're gonna get there tall papa's more of a bruiser and will nixon's more of the shifty you know out of the backfield use him in screens that sense um i think they're gonna go those two not as much by committee as I guess we've seen in the past, like last year, is Sean McGoo, Kamari Pleasant, Richard, Newvis, Richard Newton, Cam Davis. Davis. Like it was, it was all over the place. I don't think we're going to get quite there. I think it's going to be mainly two, with a majority of carries going to Talapapa. I think I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Sam Adams will be thrown. I someone asked me in the spring if Sam Adams would not only be around on the Washington football team, but third, I would be like, what? That you're crazy, man. Just based off what we've seen and whatever, he's taking a huge jump, though. I think we could see some of him cam. day I guess, not to get too deep down that rabbit hole, but no, they do not eclipse the thousand yard mark. Just because I mean, Washington and what five guys straight, six guys straight with Peterson and Lake. Yeah.
1: yeah, they had Miles obviously do it four years in a row, and Ahmed um, Savant Ahmed. Yeah, Coleman and yeah. Dwayne Washington did not, but before that, of course, they had Bishop Sankey and Chris Polk. So Washington has had a pretty long history of 1,000-yard rushers, but I will go with the consensus here. I don't think they eclipsed it this year. Jack mentioned Sam Adams, who uh, Ryan Grubb kind of sang the praises of in a recent interview, which I thought was cool to see. Not that I think that he'll be near necessarily where Wayne Talapapa and, excuse me, Will Nixon are at in terms of carries, but I do think that there will be divvied up enough workload where you're more likely to see – uh, just two guys kind of in the six to nine fifty range. Um, okay, cool. We'll continue moving along here. Uh, we're going to kind of passing reception stats. Uh, so I'm going to say who leads the team in receptions first. We'll go back to Jack to lead this one off.
3: Yeah, receptions. You know, I think it's going to be. There's three guys I think you can pick from here: Roma Dunzi, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk. And I think O'Dunzi right now is the guy who's gonna lead the team in receptions. I think he's gonna be the real target guy. I think McMillan's gonna have more of those, you know, burner burner will go he'll take like a forty yard slant to the house, or he'll run a run a thirty yard fade down the middle and get the team in big. And then I think Polk's gonna be your possession guy, you know, getting some those first down, kind of like what we envisioned. Um gosh, what six four receiver that transfer Rent of Fresno I Ty, Ty Jones, what we envisioned him to kind of be, he'll be, be the chain mover, possession guy. But I think I think O'Dunsey's going to be the guy who's just going to get a ton of balls thrown his way. Um, and I think he's going to be, take the most catches this year. Uh,
2: I personally have to agree with Jack there. Uh, odunsey has been the guy in camp so far from what I've seen, especially looking at who Penix has mostly been able to target and mostly looks for in kind of like, like first option. He's really been the guy I've noticed. But I also want to take this time and shout out the tight ends. I feel like the tight ends are going to be a bigger part of this offense than maybe some think. And, I mean, I've just seen Devin Colp specifically have a very nice camp. He's quicker, he's running well, and he's creating space for himself. So, I mean, although I don't think by any means he's going to lead the, lead the team in yards or catches or anything, I still think that the tight end position is going to have a lot, a lot bigger uh, role in this offense than maybe it alluded to or maybe than DeVorce had in the
3: past. Yeah, obviously, like in the Lake area and, and before then, tight ends were a huge part. And Cole, I think I agree with Josh too. Colts looked way better in camp this year. The drop the drop balls were something that were huge for him last year.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know he's
3: worked on that a lot in the offseason and getting on the jugs. And I think tight end, I think they'll be sounding. And like you said, they'll use the tight ends a lot, even though it might not be a two tight end set. They're going to get them open and find a ways to get them in space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great yeah. shout out to the tight end group there. Uh, I do not disagree. Roma Dunze led the team in receptions last year with 41, and I believe that he will lead the team with a substantially higher number than 41. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that.
2: <laughs> one should hope. One should hope. Yes.
1: Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> we'll continue moving along. Uh, so staying in receiving stats, uh, do you think Roma Dunze being the leader in receiving I guess receptions will be the receiving yards leader, or will it be someone else, Josh Wodka. Um,
2: I think I think it'll be a doomsday, but I could also see I could also see a guy like Polk or someone who's who's more of that deep, uh, deep ball, uh, deep target, maybe taking over that yards reception, even with less catches, possibly just due to due to the magnitude and size of like each play that he accumulates. <laughs> I think I think I again have to go back to a dunes. he's been the number one target it seems like all throughout camp, and it just seems like he's that go to
3: guy Mr Gack, yeah, I think I'm going with the Dunsey as well um I think he is the best you know we're if we're talking yards I think he's gonna get the most yards as well, I think Mcmillan might get close to him um. Just because he's gonna have so many big plays, and there'll be a there'll be a game where he could go maybe over a hundred. Maybe he might have one or two yeah. of those where he goes well, kind of like a Taj Davis game, just w- who went crazy against Arkansas State last year. McMillan could have a few of those as well, um, or was that McMillan against Arkansas? Whatever. Anyway, I think there's gonna be a couple of those games, but Mc- but O'Dunsey's just consistent. You know, sixty to ninety yards a game. He'll I think he'll hit that.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna to have to disagree with you guys. I'm going to go Jalen McMillan myself. Uh, and here's kind of my reasoning for it. I mean, I think Dunze is probably a great choice and could very well be him. Uh, so I think Jalen McMillan, as Wodka kind of said, could be a guy who is very high in the yards per reception category and enough to make up the difference in receptions. Uh, I could be a little biased because I recently watched the game where Michael Penix uh, in 2020 threw for 491 yards and five <laughs> touchdowns against Ohio State. Um, but he's a guy that over the course of his career, like has demonstrated a willingness to let it fly. I think the most likely okay. person on the team to haul in a reception of like 25 plus yards is Jalen McMillan. Um, so I could see him getting free averaging somewhere around 16 or 17 yards per reception, uh, and potentially finish just slightly higher than Roma Dunze.
3: Uh, in receiving yards, you know, I'm I'm gonna if it's not too late, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna erase my name and move it to the Jalen McMillan column as well. I think you could they got a
1: at this then. So just just <laughs>
3: with Penix being, you know, he's not afraid to let it fly as well. And then McMillan just also over the top in those like mesh concepts is a great safety blanket as well. Yeah, I'm 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 joining Team McMillan for yards. I take back everything I said. <laughs>
2: I think we'll figure out real quickly within this offense, especially in those first two games against Kent State and Portland State. Like these are two teams that we should blow out the water and just, I mean, not very good defenses either side. Kent State was in the 100 ranks, I'm pretty sure, if I saw that stat right on total defense last year. So you should be able to see very quickly, hopefully, who that kind of like number one guy within the offense is and who uh, who Penix yeah. is really going to look, look to target. So a couple of these answers and doubts that we may have hopefully – Hopefully she'll be, shall be answered uh, very quickly.
1: I'm excited for this is off topic and we'll get back to it. But on, on September 3rd, whether it's on the first drive, second drive, third drive, the first like time that Michael Penix or whoever's under center just unloads a deep ball and the collective inhale at Husky <laughs> stadium when the ball's in the air, it's going to be such a great
3: feeling. You well, know, it's
0: like,
2: to be the first play, man. It's gotta be the first play under center. Just let that ball fly
3: and make a yeah. play action roll out to the left. <laughs> Please
2: oh, imagine yeah. that just first play in the DeBoer area is just a bomb down the field. Wow, it that reminds
1: was, me of the place. Go first play from scrimmage in the 2016 season against Wreckers. Huskies had the ball yes. near midfield, oh, yeah, yeah. motion Chico McClatcher out wide, one on one with a linebacker. John Ross, <laughs> so sweet. Uh, that was such an awesome start to that season. Holy cow. Um, okay, we'll go rapid – not rapid fire. You can have a sentence or two, but sticking with receiving, who leads the team in receiving touchdowns, we'll go uh, Jack this time.
3: Dude, okay, this is something that I i was – when we were thinking about this topic or doing this pod earlier, I was really – oh, my gosh, I was between three guys. I was between Odunze, McMillan, or four guys, I guess, too, Polk, and then – even Devin Kolp too. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, that that one for me right there, Colt. Yeah, yeah. He hey, snuck
1: guys. into my mind as well.
3: Yeah, yeah. He was knocking on the door, but old, oh my gosh. I I really have a tough time with this one because I think I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go with what my gut says. It's not the trendy pick. And it you know, I'm going with Jalen Polk. I'm going with Jalen Polk. I think he's gonna make it happen. Love it.
2: I gotta I gotta go kind of with another hot answer. People probably disagree with me here, but I got to go, Devin Colt, man. That guy's just such a such a big presence down in the red zone. And I mean, you look at what a guy like Kate Otten did. I know it's different si- systems, but that guy was such an end zone and just presence. But I mean, I don't know. Devin Colt is just someone that's really stood out to me in training camp, and just a guy that's kind of blown me away with his size, physicality, and if he could, and his hands look a lot better, so that drop concern kind of goes out the window. So, I mean, again, this is one I struggled with as well, but. I, I like Devin Colt, man. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die on that stone, I guess. But love it, my guy.
1: Love it. And I'm gonna go with a really not hot take and say Roma Dunze. <laughs> oh, so, but I mean, the thing about Rome is you can get the ball to him in a variety of ways. Like they threw screen passes to him quite a bit last year, which I mean, I think they won't do as often. But he's a guy who can run with the ball in his hands. He's also big and physical. He's fast. He's kind of a like a multi dimensional target, which Led to my choice there. Um, And if you leave the team in receptions, you have the most chances to score. So,
3: true. That's pretty fair.
1: Okay, awesome.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: So, little quiz question before we get into this. Who was Washington's last double-digit sack artist?
3: Josh, you go first. Going under the I bus got,
2: here. Jeez, um, I got no clue, man. I...
3: Dude, it's got to be... Oh, gosh. I, I think it's got to be like what, 2017, maybe? it's It's been a little while, I feel like, now that you're saying it. Uh, you want to give me
1: a hint or no? Give me, yeah. give me one minute. So, okay, I graduated in 2019. So, my first year was 2015. It, it was before I was a student at UW. Was it Haliki Kaha? It was Haliki Kaha. Wow. <laughs> and he nearly had 20. That's what I was thinking, I was thinking immediately. Okay, now, another quick oh question, God. just because I'm oh, feeling God. annoying. Uh, there was another double-digit sack er that year at U-Dub. Who was it?
3: Who was alongside him? Or what number ninety-five? What
1: number ninety-five? Number ninety-five or ninety-three? Excuse me, ninety-three. I'm stupid. What year was that? Was it like 2014? 2014. Oh, there was an Evan Hudson on the defensive line, and there Spencer was Evan Hudson. Hudson. Andrew Hudson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, sweet. So it's been since Howie Kikaha and Andrew Hudson since the Huskies have had a double-digit sacker. Do they have one Did this you, year? Andrew had over ten. He had ten point five.
3: Yeah, Wait, actually.
1: Yeah, that seems like forever we'll, ago. We'll go to. It does feel like forever ago. I was in high school, but we'll go to Josh Wodka first. Do the Huskies have a ten plus? I,
2: I don't think they. I don't think they got a ten plus guy, and I'm, and I say that because. I forget. I forget who said it uh, recently in our interview. It was either it was either Savell or maybe Braylon said it. But they were like so many times in practice, they feel like they, they feel like they're the guy who's like right there to get the sack, and boom, one of the other edge guys is right there getting it right before them. So I think that they just have such a multitude of talent with along sure. that edge position that there's so many different guys that can get to the quarterback at different times. That there's not necessarily that one guy that's going to kind of like lead the team and get to that ten number. Per se,
3: yeah. I think I think they have. I think ZTF and Braylon are both really close. I think they could both hit around the eight mark. Um, I think that's a fair. I think they could get over seven point five. I think that's. I think that's an over good over under. I think we're going over seven point five for sacks. I think Braylon and ZTF are pretty dang close to that. I just think either one could have a game where they get two. To yeah. Like a, they could have a two piece game without a question, and then For I think sure. I think Savell has a pretty solid year. I think he hits around four, or so I think they have a good year with the edges in it. From really DeBoer, Schmidt, Grub, everybody has been singing the defensive end phrases and just how massive of a jump these guys have taken this year. And I've seen it too firsthand. You know, we talked about those three, and then Jeremiah Martin, another guy who's looked completely different this fall camp to me. So you have four solid guys that I think are going to make an impact on the D-line and with an improved defensive line and rushing attack and, you know, trying to get – they're they're going to try and pressure more. They're not going to be as conservative as Lake was. So I think you're going to have a couple guys that get pretty close. I don't know if they can quite touch 10 though.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I don't think it will happen. Or my gut at least says no. I mean the Huskies have had some great pass rushers since Haliki including Joe Tryon, uh, Travis Feeney. I was a big Travis Feeney guy. Corey mm-hmm. Littleton was also a solid pass rusher. Um, but it's hard to get to 10. Um, but I also feel like one – I mean, obviously this is two years removed, but Zion Tupel of a two. He had seven sacks in three games in 2020, and part of me feels like I could just be kicking myself when he has like 12 halfway through the season. Yeah, no, <laughs> so no. It's no like... was,
3: but he's much more of a household name now that I think he's going to get receive a lot more double teams.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I have to think that he'll go under 10.
3: Dude, I and I, I, really do think both Braylon and Zion can can get to ten. I really do think so.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of mouths to feed, but it's hard. Like, who do you key in on if you're yeah. an opposing? Yeah. offense? And so I, I it's, 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 It I mean, could go really any way.
2: But that, but that's a great problem to have. You know what I mean? Certainly, having, having both guys on the edge that are both dynamic playmakers and like, geez, our poor our poor tackles even in the tra- even in training camp are just getting oh. beat up, man. So like you gotta be I mean, as a Husky fan, you gotta be really excited about our edge players.
1: Yeah. No, I think that is one of the things that Husky fans should certainly be looking forward to the most. I've got to take for this next one that I'm excited about, but who leads the team in tackles in 2022? I think we won Josh for us last time, just so we go jack here.
3: All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Cam Bright. I think he's an absolute ball hawk. And I think he's gonna he they're gonna use him a lot in space and let him find the ball. I think he's gonna I think, I think I know who your hot take is going to be. Let me just call out Alfonso. Don't sit. it. Don't on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but I don't know who it is, but that's that would be my guess. But I think Cam Bright leads the team in tackles. I think they've made it pretty clear that that guy just finds the football and they're going to try and use him a lot in space to go, to go locate it. I'm going to go with Cam Bright here. Not so obvious pick, though. I'm going to be a little safe.
2: Luke, do you want to go real quick before okay, I go? I'll go, yeah. I think Jack probably does. Make...
3: The, the dramatic pause for your hot take. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so for me,
1: um, going back 2021, Fresno State's leading tackler was in the secondary. It wasn't their Husky. But I'm going to go with Washington's Husky, Dominic Hampton. Ah, really? As the leader in tackles. And the reason I'm going to say that, and it's strictly because of this, the Husky, as uh, Chris did a great podcast – uh, that's you can find on uh, the Dogman podcast channel on Spotify or Apple's podcast or whatever uh, with Nick something he's also from 27 sport or 24/7 sports. Uh, and he was explaining the husky is like similar to a traditional nickel but maybe more of like a safety linebacker hybrid than like a corner safety hybrid, right So someone's gonna play maybe a little closer to the line maybe a little bit more like a linebacker than a like, traditional nickel. Um, additionally, I think Dominic Campton will spend more time on the field than Cam Bright and Alfonso Tupatala, who will be rotating out with like Carson Bruner uh, as well as Chris Mole and eventually Edifuano LaFoscio. So just for that reason, I think he'll be on the field a ton. Uh, he's linebacker-like in his responsibilities, so I'm going Dominic Campton, and I think he can push 100
3: I think that's a good pick too. I think they're gonna have a couple guys that get real hot. You know, they're gonna have a guy like Cam Bright, and even like you said, I think Dom Hampton's a great pick. When you,
1: when you see pick that? Sorry,
3: you guys don't get video, but I
1: just backhanded him off, and I connected with it. It was awesome.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think he, I think he, I think you're right there, Luke. But I'm just saying, Bright, just spe- specifically, yeah. what he's been able to do in the past, you know, and also. Dom Hampton, this is his first full year, certainly as a star. I think Cam Bright with I think experience is a factor yeah. that's not discussed on paper as well, for sure. No,
1: I think I mean full disclosure. I think Cam Bright's probably the most likely pick, but yeah. I want to do a different.
2: Yeah, is I it- mean I, I, I don't I don't got much difference. I am going to go with Cam Bright myself. That guy's just that guy's just a ball hawk. He flows to the ball. He makes up for a little bit. He makes up for his speed oh. and his intellect. And he just, that guy's football IQ is just so high. And just predicting where the ball is going to go, and then just flowing. Um, another name to throw out there is also Carson uh, Carson Bruner. He was second on the team last year in tackles, so you got. I mean, you got to also think of him also playing a bigger role, gaining that extra year of uh, extra year under his belt. And he's also a guy that the coaches have talked on very highly in his football IQ and just his ability to play the position.
1: Love it. So, a couple names considered there. Now we're going to go to a takeaway category here. Uh, do you have a pick for who's going to lead the team in interceptions, Josh?
2: Interesting here. I gotta go with I gotta go with Mish Powell, man. That guy he's he, he's honest, he's uh, he gained a scholarship over the offseason. He was just a he was just a hard working individual. He's he's one of those guys that has really big ball skills. He I think turnover is a hard one just because there's so many there's so many different options out there. And I mean I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll be either the safeties and Cook or Asa Turner, but I, I think I got to give it to Powell, man. From what I've seen at the practices I attended, his instincts to the ball were good, and he, I don't know, he was just always around the play. So I got to give it to Mish Powell who's going to lead the league or going to lead the team in interceptions.
3: Luke, you don't need the pass ball 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 if ball. he wants.
2: <laughs> Take that.
3: Go ahead, Jack. No, I want to hear yours first before you before you say my before I say mine. Yeah,
1: I'm also going to go Mish Powell. And this is like a very lame explanation, but I think that Jordan Perryman is like the lockdown guy. I don't think he'll be targeted much. So then that leads the way for <laughs> So That's that's my deduction there. No, well,
3: I th- that's dude. That's that was my reasoning when I was thinking. Um, I was like, all right, Perryman. I, based on what I've seen from Perryman and everybody around the program thinks of Perryman, he's not only the next great DB at University of Washington, but he's going to be on an island. No one's thrown to that island. It's a <laughs> It's one of those it's like one of those Jeff Bezos' like island that's out in the Caribbean, no one's getting there. No one's <laughs> landing. Nothing's nothing's landing. And so I like that reasoning with Powell, but because Perrymans have such an island, that's gonna be giving Asa Turner a little bit more room to lean over to Powell's side and come down with a few picks. I'm saying Asa Turner needs a team this year in interceptions. I know Banks is the guy that's been doing it all fall camp. I just don't think he sees the field as much yeah. as as a yeah. guy like Powell. And, yeah. if, and if he did, I think I would if he does start to make that big of an impact where he does become that guy, then I think it's probably gonna be Banks just because whenever he whenever he seems to get a hand on the ball, he comes down with it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, some great picks. And to Jack's point also, that I mean, first Ace of Turn is a great choice as well. Um like when I say Jordan Perryman's a lockdown guy, I think Mish Powell's also in, like an awesome option out there. He's got some length. So I think the Husky DBUs and
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply.
1: Uh, Sweet. So now we're going to go and see where do you think Washington will finish in the PAC 12 and scoring offense? So we don't have to assign a number to it in terms of points per game, but where in the PAC 12,
3: I'm going to go with fourth. Um, I think they make a really big impact on offense and I think they're going to be in the top half of the league for sure. Uh, But USC, I think they're basically a lock for scoring offense. I mean, they have all conference studs. It seems like everywhere on that side of the ball. So I'm going to say they're number one. I think Utah is going to be insanely surprising offensively. Cam Rising's an absolute stud, and they have some other good playmakers around them as well. I think they're going to be in the top four. And then I think there's just always one of those weird wild card teams. You know, Wazoo with Cam Ward, Oregon State, Jonathan Smith. They're great offensively.
2: I could see I could I could see Wazoo scoring a lot. they' de- I mean, we'll see how their defense does, but I could see I could definitely see Wazoo's offense just putting up a ton of
3: points. Certainly. And Arizona gets points on the board too so, somehow. But I'm gonna say Washington's fourth. I'm just gonna play it comfortably. I think there's two teams that are almost a little bit clearly better and have a little more talent in Utah and USC. And I'm gonna save that third spot for some wild cards. I'll go four. Uh
2: I I'm around the same thinking of you. I think I'm gonna lean more to fifth or sixth, still in that top portion of top portion of the league. But like you were saying, I see Utah, Utah and USC. And also, I see UCLA under Chip UCLA. Kelly. DTR's, yep. uh, DTR's got another year under his belt. I mean, I'm not the biggest DTR guy myself, personally. But I don't know. He's still got experience. And any Chip Kelly offense is going gonna, is gonna to be up-tempo and score a lot. So I got them. And then I could also see Oregon and Bo Nix. I mean, Oregon's just – I mean, as, as much as that might, uh, displease the audience, I think, I think Oregon's going to have another good year offensively. I'm high on Bo Nix personally. And so, yeah, that's why I kind of see him fitting in that fifth or sixth spot because then there's another team because then there's always another surprising team out there, like a WSU or whatever that could come and take that spot. But I think we'll still be, we'll be fine offensively. I just think there's some other teams that are a little more explosive and a little more, uh, and a little more high scoring.
1: Um, Gosh, DTR's entering his 11th year at UCLA, it feels like. I'm
3: forever indebted to DTR, really? though, for the 39-point comeback on the road against Yeah, Brown. that was
1: that was pretty incredible. Uh, that is a name that's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, then moving on, now scoring defense. Oh, I, I'll say fifth-ish as well. Yeah, I think they will finish in the top half of the Pac-12, but it's like after what happened last year, even with new coaching, coaching I think there will be a lot... Um, I mean, like, it'll be tough to jump into the upper third, I would say. So that's why I'm going to go five. Uh, then we will go to defense here. Uh, Josh, if you want to kick this one off, where do you see Washington finishing scoring defense in the Pac-12? This
2: one, this one's a little harder to me, strictly due to the fact that a score defense, require, defense is so reliant on offensive production as well based on how long you're out on the field. And I think – with the high-tempo offense that, that UW is going to run, I feel like their offense isn't going to be just on the field as much. Like, I feel like they're going to be explosive, quick drives. Therefore, I see the defense playing a lot more. So, I think, I think I'm think i also going to put them around that fifth, sixth mark. I feel like the defense will definitely be upgraded this year to what was already, like, a decent unit last year. I think our edges will be very disruptive. And although they're, te- they're taking a step back in the secondary, like, they're not – like, of course you're going to take a step back when you're losing two NFL guys in Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie. So, I mean, of course there's going to be a downgrade there, but I don't think the downgrade is as substantial as uh, some may put it out to be. I got a lot of faith in Perryman and Powell, and I think, I think they'll make a difference out there. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any McDuffie or Gordon, like I said, but I still think the defense is going to be a good unit, and i put them around fifth or sixth in the league.
3: Mr. Jack? Yeah, I'm with you there, Josh. I'm going to say six. I think they definitely have enough talent. On defense, But I think because the offense is going to be, I think they're going to be really high scoring and they're going to move the ball down the field pretty quick and pretty fast. Other teams are going to be a lot pretty explosive too and try and match that energy, which could cause some big plays. And, you know, knowing this defense, they're going to last year, Washington played their safeties literally miles away from the line of scrimmage. And so I think because they're going to play the safeties up closer, we know that they're going to take a lot more risks. And because of there's going to be more risks, there'll be some bigger plays, and I think that could get a quicker pace of game, which would allow um, higher scoring ball games. So I think Washington will allow more points than we've been used to seeing and been spoiled with in the past. Certainly, mm-hmm.
1: you know, I might. I'm a little bullish. I think on the Husky defense. I think I'm going to go four. So in the top third, um, and part of it is like honestly, I think obviously, I think Utah's the clear choice for. Yeah, yeah, and then you. I think Oregon will probably be second or third, um, personally. But there's not a lot of other defenses that I'm just like overwhelmed with in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you both make a good point that I think there, there's a little more of like feast or famine to this defense. So I think there'll be more points, uh, and then maybe some more volatility in like the turnover category in a positive way for Washington. Uh, but I see them around four uh, for that reason. Uh, I think that they – Washington, I think their kind of Achilles heel has been like inconsistent linebacker play for the past few years. I think they made some nice kind of pickups to fill in gaps there. Cam Bright, Chris Mole, um, Eddie Ulofosio will be – Eddie Ulofosio will be returning soon. So that's my kind of spot there. And then we'll roll right into the last one. Uh, Right now, Washington's over-under in Vegas sports books of various variety is 7.5 wins. Uh, we'll go Josh first over or under that 7.5 win total.
2: So here's where I'm looking at right now. I got the I got the schedule pulled up right in front of me. So Kent State and Portland State, you got to chalk those up as two wins right there. You got to think Stanford at home, you got a good chance against. I'll give them a win there, three. At Arizona State, that's four. Home against Arizona is five. Mm-hmm. At Cal, you get six. And then home against Colorado you get seven so I'm talking up seven for sure wins at least
0: don't don't say that don't say that just, don't, <laughs> uh, don't say at Cal is a for sure win I never mind yeah, he's money. just showing his works
1: that's, that's,
2: that's, that's true oh geez that's true man oh god but anyways so this so then you got some toss-up games at Oregon um at Oregon's gonna be tough uh the Apple Cup is always interesting I mean you got a WCU is one. Of, WSU is going to be one of those surprising teams to me. I feel like this year, I could. They're going to be one of those teams where if they have success, I'm not going to be surprised. If they're in the lower third of the Pac-12, also not going to be very surprised. They're a team that's just so up in the air with air for me this year that, like, they're they're hard for me to they're hard for me to pick out right now. Like how that game is going to go. Um, and then Oregon State's definitely a better team, but you like that game at home. Uh, and then at Ucla and at Ucla will be interesting of course Ucla is also also a better team and then the Michigan State game at home will I mean I don't know that husky stadium will be rocking for that one so you gotta i don't know i got this just this passion side of me says that UW's gonna gonna beat Michigan state and just make a statement there that may be that may be my heart more talking than than my brain but I don't know. I could. I could see them going over seven and a half. I think that's. I think that's within the possibility for sure. I think with the schedule this year, with uh, escaping uh, Utah, USC, I think DeBoer's got to make a statement this first year. Avoiding those two teams, and I think he's got to get over that seven and a half mark.
3: Yeah, I'm. When I look at the schedule too, I think you see something that stands out to me is I think every single game is winnable, and I'm not yeah. just saying that either. I think. Obviously, there'll be tough tasks, I think, with Michigan State and at Oregon. I think those are your two biggest games that you have. Obviously, some Mm -hmm. trap games in the mix. But when I look at the schedule, I see every single game is winnable. I see a lot of talent within the the University of Washington's roster. I think it's littered everywhere. You look at the portal pickups they did, and then you look at DeBoer as a coach. The guy has won every single place he's ever been. He is a consistent winner. He always wins. So for that reason, I'm going to say they're over seven and a half wins. I think. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they go under. I think seven and five. I would be shocked if they went six and six. I think. Yeah, I, mean, I
1: think seven's a really firm floor.
3: I think. I think seven seems like a. But then again, we said a lot. I, I will never be more surprised than last year. So I. I mean, and nothing is off the table for me. But seven and five, I feel like, is a fair floor for the team. And I think they could get really. I think they have a chance to win. Obviously, it's impossible. It's super hard to win every single game. But every single game, if you look at it game by game they could win every game. And that's just being reasonable.
2: And I think, I think that mentality within the locker room is there too. I feel like even coming off last year, that was such a disappointment. I feel like the, the guys in the locker room right now expect to win and expect to go out every week and win that game. They got that coach DeBoer all the time is talking about that one and zero mentality. And I feel like, I feel like what I've seen so far, it's guys out there having fun playing football. And I, I don't know. I don't think that gets talked up, talked about enough, especially in programs. So I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully that results in the in the record books and in, in the win loss cost column. But I don't know. That's just an interesting tidbit that I thought I'd bring up. It's just that these guys, these guys, at the end of the day, look like they're having fun playing football. They enjoy being out there with one another. And I think I think culture is just so important at the end of the day, especially in those dog days of the fall when when you're in some of those trap game scenarios.
1: Love it. Yeah. For so I just see. I think, like Josh mentioned, you open with Kent State, Portland State, those should be wins. I honestly think in uh, Tony Castricone with uh, Cam Cleland did an awesome, if no one's heard it. Uh, they were on uh, Puck and Jim on KJR for three hours uh, running the show, and they talked to Phil Steele. Uh, and Phil Steele handicaps Washington as the more likely to win the game against Michigan State at home. Um, I really do think that's a coin flip game. I think Michigan State's solid. They lost Kenneth Walker. They were actually outgained on average last year in their games, even though they ended up having a very successful season. I think that's a beatable team. <clears throat> so I legitimately think it's a coin toss. If Washington beats Michigan State in their 3-0 and with momentum rolling into conference play and they start with Stanford at home, I just can't imagine them losing more than five games or more than four games yeah, at that yeah. point. Right? The momentum would be building too fast. So, for that reason, I'm going over 7.5. So, yeah, I think that'll wrap it up. We're pushing 40 minutes here. uh, But, love getting the guys together, talking Husky football, one of my favorite things to do. Um, So, yeah, from all of us at dogman.com, no better place to get better coverage during the football season. Uh, So, and the basketball season coming in a few months as well. So, go, dogs. Go, (laughs) dogs.